It's Team Snail versus Team Snake as we discuss two Sega freebies, Snail Maze and Sega Squirrel. Plus, we talk about other free offerings from Sega on this totally not free, first on Patreon, then later released to the public episode of Sega Talk. Megabits presents Sega Talk, a podcast talking all things with your hosts, George and Barry. Look, it's a giant talking egg. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the master here. So what's Hello and welcome to... Sorry, <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 124 of Sega Talk. I'm Barry. With me is George. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. And on this episode, we are talking about two freebies. And uh, when we wrap up, we're going to be touching on some other freebies as well. Um, But before we do that, George, talk about something that's not free. There's a thing called Patreon. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of a website called Patreon, but if you guys go to patreon.com, you guys could support this show and watch the episodes early. You could even tell us what to talk about and... Maybe you you have an idea for an episode. The last episode we did was uh, unreleased Sonic games. Uh, maybe you have an idea that you think is really interesting and you want to pitch it to us. If we find it interesting as well, you guys could do that on patreon.com slash SegaBits. You also get the audio and video version a day early, depending on the tier. So check it out. There's a lot of good stuff there. Yeah. Good. <laughs> well it. done. Well done. Thank you. Um, And yeah, so on this episode, we're going to be talking about a couple of games. Uh, Sega has a long history of giving away games to those who own their consoles. Of course, you have the always popular demo discs, and then the highly successful console bundles with free games included. And then there are those games where you're given them simply because you own the console. In the case of this episode, we're discussing two of them. It's 1986's Snail Maze for the Sega Master System, and 2000's Sega Swirl for the Sega Dreamcast. And there are quite a few similarities between Snail Maze and Sega Swirl. Uh, Both were included with, or in the case of Snail Maze, within the console. Their respective consoles bookended Sega's Western console releases. They star ground-crawling creatures. Snails are kind of like the snakes of bugs, aren't they? Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, the I'm trying to think of bugs. like, like bugs that are like snakes, but they all have little tiny feet. I can't think of any slithering. I don't know, and I don't even think snails are bugs. They're they're something. No, they're like a. There's something I don't else. Know. They're their own like uh, whatever kingdom of things or whatever. It's, they, they're squishy bugs. ones. Squishy bugs. That's what we call them. Uh, and they are both highly addictive puzzle games with small but dedicated fan bases. Joe. George, uh, which team are you on? Team Snake or Team Snail? I'm a snake guy because I (laughs) actually did play uh, Sega Swirl a lot on the Dreamcast. Uh, It it was literally, like, you know, it was free on, like, the demo disc, and I was really into the idea of getting those demo discs, so I would Mm -hmm. play it with people uh, at the house. It's just a really simple, very simple uh, puzzle game Mm -hmm. that... um, it's always fun to put on and play. And I, I can't think of any other puzzle game that was like Tetris 
on I mean I'm sure there is I think there was like new Tetris or whatever but you had to go buy it right um, this was free and uh, outside of like whatever Tetris game uh, there was a Tetris game on Dreamcast wasn't there there was yeah yeah I think outside it was called the one, next Tetris I think yeah there you go that we yeah. <laughs> they're trying to make a next generation um, yeah um, so to me, this was like my puzzle game that you go to to just put in really quick. It was free, mm-hmm. so it, it, you didn't have to go buy it. So that's why I never bought new Tetris or whatever, or I might have yeah. owned it. Because like, I always have to own at least one puzzle game because it's one of those, you just put it in and everyone understands how to play it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it, it is very simple to play, very addictive. Um, I played Sega Swirl quite a bit because like you said it it came on a variety of discs uh whereas with snail maze i didn't play that until i finally got uh, a sega master system which i have back here and i didn't even know about like um the hidden game or that it depended on what console version you got so i lucked out i had a snail maze uh (laughs) snail maze master system and I played it. I enjoyed it. Um, we'll get into both of them. We're, to be quite honest, we're not actually comparing the two. Like it's very clear that Snail Maze is a much smaller game oh, yeah. than Sega Swirl. I mean, Sega Swirl has its own menu system. It has a variety of releases, whereas Snail Maze, um, it's a much smaller game. And it was released, as mentioned, in 1986. And the only way to play it was to own a specific hardware variation of the Sega Master System. And so that's right, not every Sega Master System could play Snail Maze. So it's it's almost kind of like the most expensive Master System game if you're not thinking about like some rarity. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. If you want to play Snail Maze, you got to own the Master System. You have to own a specific one. And if you're some kind of collector nowadays, um, and you're like, oh, I've had the Alex Kidd one for years really wish i had the ma- the snail maze one well you're gonna have to hunt it down you're gonna have to buy a whole new console so that's it, it's kind of an investment um so to understand snail maze one must first understand bios and i never thought on this uh podcast we'd be talking about bios but here we are um bios stands for basic input output system and this is what loads all things on a system such as hardware settings Uh, Emulators will sometimes require the original console BIOS to make settings that are fed into the emulator so that it can work with the game software. So I don't know, George, if you've ever dealt with uh, emulators, but I'm sure you remember that, like, Mm -hmm. uh, like, I think there were ones like Kega and some other ones where you needed to download the Sega CD BIOS, for example. Right. Um, Yeah. I literally just, well, computers have BIOS, obviously, but, like, I literally just dealt with BIOS today because... uh, Getting this Bluetooth thing to work, I had to uh, disable a BIOS <laughs> thing. Uh, so I just, 10 minutes ago, I was literally in the BIOS screen on my computer. So, but yeah, uh, I, I used uh, playing around with BIOS also. You have to download BIOS sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, especially for MAME emulators to get yeah. them to work. So yeah, definitely know yeah. about that. BIOS are everywhere and we don't even think about them sometimes. But um, systems with BIOS will load with Uh, without a disc or cartridge inserted and they'll usually display a startup screen and then a message or a system menu and you know it's interesting you look at all the systems that sega put out um and most sega systems have bios and startup screens however interestingly the uh, sega genesis mega drive does not as does 
the uh, Game Gear does not. Um, mm. Instead, everything needed to run a game that usually would exist in the BIOS is instead on the uh, Genesis or Mega Drive cartridge. And so that's why... I, and I always kind of like... I didn't really think about that until I was writing these notes, and I was like, yeah, that's kind of lame. Like, imagine... You turn on a... Um, Genesis without a cartridge, and I'll do that sometimes to make sure I have the right video input setting, and all I can look for is that flicker, because there's no logo that comes up. There's no message saying, like, welcome to Sega Genesis. Please insert your cartridge. I wonder why that that doesn't have that. I don't know. It's weird. Um, BIOS will offer up regional differences, so in the case of Sega CD, these differences are pretty dramatic with different logos, music, and sound effects. Of course, notably, the uh, Mega Drive Mini 2, if you change the region and then load up the um, credits, it will actually emulate that region's uh, Sega CD startup menu for the BIOS, so it's it's kind of a fun way to see how each country or each region... um, showcased the Sega CD sound and video. Um, of course, on the Saturn, you get different startups. I think they all have that rocket ship um, main menu, though. Uh, but yeah, it, it will give you different logos, music, sound effects. Um, for the Saturn and Dreamcast, different regions will see altered logos, different uh, default languages. Uh, these three systems, they have their own menus. They allow players to manage their files, change time and date settings, play music CDs, or launch software. And in the case of Master System, the BIOS includes a startup screen with a message for the user. So we're going to actually, <laughs> we're going to watch the BIOS. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. All right. I'm going to play it. It's like our podcast is starting up. Right? It's that sound effect. See? There you Enjoy. go. That's what you get. <laughs> you enjoy. get a really weird enjoy you get a really weird message um is it both the same one right here or is it just like the regional difference the second one that plays uh the second one is showing you what happens when uh, a cartridge is in uh, so okay. so yeah so Sorry. that whole like um that startup song is in the console it's not on the cartridge which mm. i wonder saves them a little space um it also makes me wonder like why didn't the genesis i guess Sonic 1 came much later, but imagine if the Genesis had preloaded into it that Sega Scream startup for every game. I don't know. They, they could have done that. Um, so before we move on, what Sega system do you think has the best startup theme and features? I like the Sega Saturn. I don't know why. It uh, always blew my mind. Uh, is that would that be considered a BIOS where it has the, like the C- you could play your CD and it has like yeah 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 and you could play it back in slow motion and it has all these like weird little features and then it has a little spaceship um, mm-hmm. screen sa- it's like a, like a screensaver really and you could just play it in the background if you wanted to on the loop forever. Uh, That's right. That, yeah. That that was uh, when I was like, younger. I was like. And it kind of I was like blew my mind. I don't know why, but I really, really liked it. I thought it, it really left an impression on me. So definitely the Sega Saturn. Oh yeah, I I love the Japanese Saturn startup specifically. Um, and then when you get into the menu, it's it's the same for all regions. But there are just so many more uh, features in there, like you said, with the music. It it was kind of a downgrade with the Dreamcast, and I didn't mm-hmm. know at the time because I owned a Saturn after the Dreamcast. But I remember people, like hardcore fans, complaining about how they were like, oh, the CD playback's kind of lame. And I'm like, what? It's just CDs. 
But then when I got the Saturn, I'm like, oh, the controller itself has the uh, CD controls Mm -hmm. on the controller. It's super easy to use. Um, I also really like the uh, Sega CD startups, all all of them. I think they're all... The music just is so good on the Sega CD. The American one, I'm partial to. I think that's my favorite. Um, but yeah, it, and it's it's kind of wild too because you can um, you can manage your save data on the Sega CD, but it's not very user friendly. I never really understood it when I was younger. Nowadays, I, I kind of get it, but it's like there's there's stored memory, and then there's like battery memory, and or something like that, and you can like lose it <laughs> if you leave your console plugged unplugged. Um, but yeah, so the the master system it was unique in that it had a BIOS, but no real options, just instructions for how to use the console. However, hidden within the BIOS was often a free game. So thanks to the website The Cutting Room Floor, here is a list of all the secret free games hidden within the Sega Master System BIOS. So I'll blow through these. I'm not going to read all the technical terms. But uh, in the U.S. and Europe, version 1.3, you would hold up 1 and 2 on the controller on the instruction screen to play Snail Maze. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, version 2 in 87, um, it, it doesn't have Snail Maze. I don't know what it has, but it doesn't have it. Uh, J- Japanese version 2.1 in 87 does not have Snail Maze. U.S. and Europe 2.4 has Hang On and Safari Hunt. And uh, what's cool, it says this and the next version will load Snail Maze... If up one and two are held on controller one when the BIOS intro is finished, so it's actually like it's Snail Maze and then some, which is kind of cool. Um, same goes for version three point four in US, U.S. and Europe with Hang On, so you get you actually get Snail Maze there. Uh, U.S. and Europe nineteen eighty eight with Missile Defense three D, and this was released in Super System bundles that did not have the game as a separate cart. And unfortunately, Snail Maze is absent from here. And Missile Defense 3D is kind of the weak, weaker 3D titles mm-hmm. that existed at the time. So I'd, I'd say this is kind of the this is the one you don't want. Um, right. I agree on that. Master System 2 had a slightly altered version of Alex Kidd in Miracle World. I think it lacked like the ending or something like that to save on space. Huh. Uh, the European Master System 2 in 91 had a slightly altered version of Sonic the Hedgehog with the game's ending sequence removed to fit the BIOS. Um, and let's see. Well, this and the blue... Eh, it's just something else. And then the it's Korean... Like the, the Korean version, right? Yeah, yeah. The Korean Super Game Boy Aladdin Boy came with Alex Kidd Aladdin in Boy Miracle so, World. Aladdin a, Boy. Do you want to play the Aladdin Boy? Oh, I love you? the Aladdin Boy. Can I grew imagine? up playing the Aladdin Boy. Yeah, I was going to say, can you imagine growing up playing the Aladdin Boy? And, like, all of the Sega systems are all, like, isn't all of them Aladdin-based names? Even, like, the, uh, over there, like, didn't they oh. also have an Aladdin name for the Master System? I mean, I the, think so. the Mega Drive. I think they did something like that, and then there was, like, Jafar and, and Princess Jasmine. No. <laughs> um... But what's interesting is Japan actually lacked these free games hidden within the BIOS. And in all the research I was doing, I never uncovered why games like Snail Maze were included. Um, I initially suspected it had something to do with the same legal reasons that the uh, Sega Astro City 
arcade cabinets had the game Datori-kun, or Dot Run, installed. And uh, Datori-kun was a downscaled port of Sega's own head-on. Not hang-on, but head-on. Yeah, head-on. And was created in response... to your forehead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and it was created in response to Japan's electrical ap- appliance and material control law, which required arcade cabinets to include a working arcade game at point of sale. And Datori-kun was included on most Sega JAMA-compatible arcade boards in the early 90s and were meant to be disposable, and so thus it's actually very rare to actually see the game playable in arcades, and boards are also equally rare, as most were just thrown out or stripped for parts. Uh, The board was as bare-bones and cheap as possible, featuring 256 by 192 resolution, eight colors, and no sound. And this free game was actually included on Sega's Astro City Mini. So we have a look at the Astro City Mini booting up the game here. And it's it's kind of unsettling once you get into the game because it's just silent. Oh, no sound? <laughs> no sound. Um, I think I saw this for like, I, I totally forgot, but I remember playing this for a little bit and I was just like, okay, like... Yeah, yeah, okay, this is... It's just it's just to satisfy a law um, that was later repealed or ratified or something. So the law went away, I think, uh, in the late 90s or early 2000. But, um, you know, that's just what it is. But you can imagine if you're an arcade operator, you get the new Astro City cabinet, there's a board in there, you just rip the board out and like throw it in the storeroom or set it aside, it, it gets lost, it gets damaged, you might need a part off of it, so you... you you know, do that. So How yeah, much this do you think is this cost. You know, I don't know, and I actually checked eBay, and I I didn't see it. Oh, that's not because good. I don't. <laughs> if I don't eBay, know. If eBay isn't scalp, I mean, trying to make money off of these, they're probably that rare because they make money off the most bizarre things. I see one. How much do they got? It's want? not that bad. They want fifty. So that's not bad. So it might be one of those things where it's rare but not expensive. I mean, those things Mm -hmm. do exist. (laughs) You know, it's like, like how many people want this? Well, not many. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's just a board. There's another one here for ninety. But remember, this is like the most basic, boring game. So yeah, you're dropping fifty to ninety dollars on something that you can play on the Astro City Mini here. Um, so it's just it's more of a, a curiosity, I think, if anything. Um, so does 1986's Snail Maze exist for similar reasons? Uh, it's possible, but not confirmed. I mean, given no free games were included on Japanese consoles and only on Western hardware, perhaps Sega included these games to maybe cover their butts in case there's some sort of international law that comes down. Um, but what do you think... Why do you think Sega struck stuck these free games on Western Master Systems. I, I feel like when they manufactured it here, someone snuck it in there. Like, is Snail Maze, is that even made in, in Japan? Is it a Japanese studio that made it? So No one I'm knows think- who made it. Okay, no so I, I'm thinking personally as somebody in the West, when they were manufacturing mm-hmm. the boards, snuck it in there as a, like, a little, like, uh, kind of like, you know, when people make art, like Disney, they add sex or some little thing, and people <laughs> think it's some nefarious thing, but it's really just an artist board trying to sneak in uh, stuff into their work. 
I'm sure you've done that uh, with your graphic designs. You try to sneak a little image in the back and nobody noticed. I've, I've snuck. I've sneaked. Um, That's but what you I make think. A good, yeah, you make a good point because I don't think this startup screen is the same as in Japan. So clearly this was something that was created for Western territories. I mean, the, the text alone reads like someone with a grasp of English wrote it. Um, yes. So they, they could have said, like, hey, guys, this board has a little extra space. I've been tinkering around with some game development. Like, it's entirely possible that Snail Maze was made by someone who made games for, you know, for the Master System. And it was just, like, a little side thing. And like, can we stick it on? But um, I've never actually seen or read a, a reason or how it... Why, you know? So I guess no one knows yet. Um Snail Maze never had an official physical release outside of being preloaded on hardware, and despite M2's efforts in recent years, the game has never actually seen a re-release. And it, well, it kind of did, but we'll get to it. Um, to play the game, like I said, you must own a Master System with Snail Maze on it. And as we discussed, not everyone had a Master System with Snail Maze. They might have Alex Kidd or something. Um, when the Sega logo appears at startup. With no cartridge in the machine, players must press up, one, and two at the same time, and then they are greeted by the usual startup message, which immediately slides to the side to reveal a large blue maze board with a small orange snail and a yellow shell. And players must make their way through a large maze to reach the goal before the timer runs out. And while this plays out, uh, some of the most catchy music ever composed plays. Uh, Players must make their way through a dozen mazes before the game resets to the BIOS screen. So let's look at some beautiful gameplay footage and listen to some of that wonderful music. Let's watch one one maze. All right. This is from uh, World of Long Plays. Just giving they they're great. Oh yeah. So this person knows what they're doing. Oh yeah, they're a professional. And I will like, say, yeah, I would just this. put my finger and try to do it, and then go. All right. No, it's it's a very tricky maze. So that's beautiful. That's it. That's it. Um, and despite not being advertised to uh, console owners or people buying it, Sega did tease the hidden game through their tips line. And here's actually two tips letters that Sega sent out to Master System owners who inquired about it. So there's um, the Here Sega Master System. Yeah, it says, this, this information package that was provided from Sega has some helpful hints, and it goes on. Um, at the bottom it says, there is also a game included with the system that does not require a game cartridge or card. Here's how. Be sure existing game cartridge or card is removed from the Sega Master System. Insert the control pad into control 1 on the power base. Power up the Sega System. Press and hold the control pad in the up direction and buttons 1 and 2 simultaneously. Use the control pad to move the snail to the goal. Ron. (laughs) That's Ron's message. Um, And then the other letter is a little... I I think it's actually... Oh, it's written differently. So yeah, this is um, from Cheryl. Uh, Thank you, Cheryl. And this, and this one's interesting because it says, for in appreciation for your patience, Sega of America would like to thank you with an additional game for your Sega system. <laughs> this game does not require a game cartridge or a card. Um, 
Be sure the existing game cartridge, blah, blah, blah. Insert the control pad. Power up the system. Press and hold the control pad, and then use the control pad to move the object to the goal. They don't call it the snail, the object. There are 12 mazes to master. Once again, thank you and good luck. And what I like about this one is it's almost like you went through something, like maybe you were on hold with them, or like a, a power cable didn't work, and they were like, you know what, for your troubles, here's a free game. And it's like, well, you didn't give it to me. It was there the right. whole time. <laughs> it's been on my console. Yeah. I what, like you the think idea. there were kids? You think there Sorry. were kids who were like, Sega like, sent it to my console? How'd they do that? Yeah, if I was, I mean, when I was a kid, I literally thought that, like, man, if I turn off the console, I'm sure that the game is still, like, the characters are playing still with, like, without me playing it. And when I turn it on, it all restarts. Kind of like a movie theater idea, like how Sega used to present their ending for their games. Mm. So That's I how I felt would, with, uh, I felt like that with Tails. Like, I thought someone was remotely controlling him. Ah, uh, like in <laughs> like like beaming it like someone at Sega is like oh Barry wants to play uh, wants to play again yeah I literally I literally because I was like well how'd they do this <laughs> like he's not always following me he's doing his own thing this is weird um yeah <laughs> so uh, but hey so how would you have reacted if you called Sega like about a broken power cable and not only did they solve your problem but they tell you the secret of snail maze like would you would you hold this information close to your chest or would you go to school and be like hey guys i got something i'd be at school the next day bragging to everyone but sadly the master system wasn't a game system that like people at school and it was i no. think past our school time when we did this we were more like the 90s mid 90s so but if i was the age and people had the master system and i knew people that had it all oh, for sure i'd be the First one to brag about the the sacred knowledge that I know. Right. It's like the kid who comes to school and he's like, guys, after midnight on the local radio station, they will play The Roof is on Fire uncensored. So you can hear the, the, the MF word. Like, I remember that going around. I remember people, like, talking about video game secrets. I remember oh, yeah. kids making up shit. Like, like there was this one kid... He, he said, oh, I have um, a Game & Watch, but every time you get it to a new level, a new screen appears. Like, it gets taller. It's like the kid was thinking of the DS before it existed. Like a DDDDDDS. Um, he went on to work at Nintendo and make the DS. I don't know. I've, I actually looked him up the other day. I don't know what he's up to, but he's definitely not playing a Game & Watch with, like, 30 screens. Um, so, despite being locked... To the Master System console, fans have made the game available through emulation, uh, fan-made cartridge, cartridges, and yes, this like tiny little game was put on cartridge and given an unofficial boxed release, and in 2004, a fan ported the game to the MSX computer. What? Uh, the game also... Hmm? The MSX computer does not deserve a classic game <laughs> like this. I'm sorry. Yeah, I guess that's not a fan. That's a, a an enemy. An enemy of Sega fans uh, took our beloved slimy snail away from us. Um, the game also appeared on the handheld electric games system by Coleco in 2006. So Sonic 06 is coming out to the uh, <laughs> Xbox 360, and here comes Snail Maze by Coleco. Um, the device held 20 Master System and Game Gear games, and it went by other names, too, including the PlayPal, not to be confused with PayPal, That's and the Pocket Gear. 
And look at this thing. I looked it up online. I can't find it on eBay or anything. It looks like it just looks like crap, doesn't it? It does. The uh, Coleco. I didn't know. Like, what is up with Coleco? That's some. That's a manufacturer I never really looked into. But it's like, are they like a uh, like? You know when you go to like a swap meet and you see those like two thousand and one in one game consoles? Is, is right. Well, you know, I'll tell you about them. So Coleco, I didn't have it on the notes, but they um they're known for Cabbage Patch dolls. Oh. So they are a toy manufacturer. They they were founded in nineteen thirty two, but they also made the Coleco Vision video game console, and uh, they made a handful of games. Actually, they're on Sega Retro, so they made. Uh, Carnival and Zaxxon for the Atari 2600. So they ported a couple Sega arcade games. They also ported Buck Rogers, uh, Zaxxon Super Game, Adam. I don't know what the Adam is, but it's it's a thing. Um, this is but so they, crazy. They, yeah, Coleco Adam. It's a home computer uh, oh. and expansion device for the Coleco Vision. So it, it it can turn your Coleco Vision into a computer. The Adam. What do you think about um, Coleco, like as a, I guess, console manual or computer? I don't know what they would be considered a manufacturer. Like, are you? I, I've seen them on like retro collecting YouTuber videos where they're like the Coleco Vision, and they like make these long videos. Yeah, it, well, it's interesting because it says here that they actually went out of business in the late '80s and were purchased by Hasbro, who own now owns Kenner, um, and so actually the the little um, handheld we're looking at here was actually reintroduced by Hasbro. So Hasbro made a deal with Sega, but what I find so odd is that they branded it with Coleco when it holds 20 Sega games. And so it's like this toy company bought a computer company, and then they used that computer company branding to release a handheld of Sega games, and they put the computer company's name on the handheld. It's it's the branding what? is all over the place. It's the weirdest thing. I kind of want one now, but it has snail mail, right. and I think it's like it's its own game. Um, it was officially licensed, so it's the only other official way to enjoy snail maze. So, uh, what are your final thoughts on snail maze, and what is the legacy of this great game? Well. It needs to be re-released. I think Sega should just like uh, if they ever, you know, how they did those vintage collections, and then they had the Sega Ages. I think every game yeah. that they release under their like Sega Ages brand should literally let you play it. If you do the uh, like on startup, if you do the up and hold two buttons or whatever, mm, yeah, um, it just all all of a sudden you're playing Snail Maze. That would be that would be interesting. I think like make I'd it. Love that. A, Make it a uh, make it like a what do they say like a little extra like secret game in every game, but the reason I don't think they haven't done it is because it's not a Japanese game like you said it was only for Western mm-hmm. audiences yeah and Sega Ages sadly is very Japanese centric right Japanese I, I think audiences. one of the f- I wouldn't call it a failing but maybe one of the I don't know with the M two stuff is it's very clearly. Hardcore Sega fans, but hardcore Japanese Sega fans. Right. So when you see those those um, videos when they're unveiling uh, the uh, Astro City or the 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 minis, which are sitting behind me here, mm-hmm. it's always these stories from these these huge Sega fans, but they're from Japan. And then they're like, oh, and for the American one, we we put Clay Fighter, and it's like, well, guys, we don't really like Clay Fighter. Yeah, like, nobody. 
like it, it would it would really help to have like an Aaron Weber equivalent Sega fan um kind of tapping on their shoulder for the western stuff like it, it, I don't know but I, whatever I I, I, I do want to ask anyways. before we move on to the Dreamcast mm-hmm. stuff what yeah. built-in games does your master system have My mine has snail maze Oh, just Snail Maze? Nothing else? Like, it doesn't have anything on else. Or... Okay. No, no. Mine's an older model. Um, yeah. It's it's a little finicky, though. Like, the, the video plug is finicky, and I don't know if the 3D glasses I own, like, the glasses themselves are broken, or if the adapter is broken, but it doesn't really matter. Like, what? Like, I'm not missing out. Mine, um, mine was the hang-on one. That's why I was wondering. Oh. Uh, but you might have Snail Maze on it. Right, I think it said right there it did have it, yeah. It did, so I think you need to like do something specific. So you should try that after this. Maybe you'll be greeted with Snaily the Snail. Um, all right, so hold on. We're gonna. I don't want you to get whiplash. It's kind of like in you know with the Flash. I have to like hold your head and be very careful with moving you into the future. So you ready? I'm ready. All right, we're gonna jump ahead to the year 2000. What? <laughs> the future. That is the future. So the Sega Dreamcast is almost two years old, and Swirly the Snake is here to shake things up. Developed by Tremor Entertainment, Sega Swirl was a free single- and multiplayer puzzle game. The game was originally released to Windows-based PCs as a standalone program and web-based Shockwave title. But perhaps the most popular version of this game was on the Sega Dreamcast. Sega Swirl is similar to 1985's Chainshot, A.K.A., and I believe this is how you say it, it's spelled same game, but it's Samegame. It was developed (laughs) by Kunaki Moresuke Moribe. Samegame initially saw release on Fujitsu's FM8 and FM7 uh, platforms by way of the Japanese PC magazine called Gekken ASC2. And I couldn't figure out if it was like a disc was given there or if it was one of those and we talked about this in the past uh where you could actually type in like type in games where it was lines of code so i don't know how they did it but it's possible um the game was ported over the years to many platforms in japan and abroad with mechanics being slightly altered as new versions were created uh in its most basic form however samegame sees a rectangular field filled with randomly placed colored blocks in three colors by selecting groups of same colors, these colors are removed, and then unsupported blocks will drop down and shift over, with the goal being to eliminate as many blocks as possible. And I think you might even be penalized if you remove one at a time because you're not getting any points. Right. Uh, Sega Swirl is actually one among dozens of variations of the game, many of which carry different names. And I'd argue Sega Swirl is probably the most well-known one but if you scroll down so i have the wikipedia page here scroll down to versions it's a list yeah look saw, I, look I've at that at it. isn't that insane yeah there's a lot look so i'm assuming anyone could make their own version of these sami game right like yeah no one owns i don't think anyone owns it no one's going to be suing you but yeah it's on amigo it's on windows java game boy um, it was actually pu- this is what's really cool. So it was actually published by Hudson in 1997 to the Game Boy, and later on. So if you scroll way down here, you're gonna see um, maybe not way down. You're gonna see Bomberman 64 in 2001, which was also by Hudson, 
And so right. Bomberman 64 has a Samegame mini game uh, oh. on it. Yeah. I never played that yeah. one, actually. Um, and there's others here. I mean, it's a very interesting list to scroll through. But, of course, Sega Swirls there. Other names include Spore Cubes, Pocket Pop, Bubble Shot, Bubble Bang. That's my favorite one. Uh, <laughs> Bubble Drop, Color Balls, Clickomania HTML, Cube Crush. That sounds like Candy Crush. Sounds oh, yeah. exactly like it. Um, so, yeah, tons and tons of titles. Uh, and most recently, according to this list at least, uh, Samegame 1K released in 2017 in JavaScript. Who yeah. made the JavaScript game in like 2017? Alpha Males. I guess you're right. Oh, it's on GitHub. It yeah, you can play so, it. So it's free. You could literally just download it on GitHub. Yeah, it's it's the freest game that ever existed. Um, so I have gameplay footage here. We can have it playing while we talk a bit about the game. Um, so Sega Swirl was developed by Scott Hawkins. And Scott, I looked into him, and this guy's a superstar. So Scott was a senior producer at Sega of America, and he began as a tester. And I think there's someone else we know who started as a tester. Uh, didn't Julian uh, Melfeld? Of, yeah, um, oh yeah. Yeah, 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 he was uh, the senior uh, uh, PR guy for Sega of America. Yeah, um, he went on to Facebook and working with the uh, Oculus, and now he, Meta. Well, he was at—I think it was <laughs> yeah. Facebook. When it was, he was Facebook there. And at then the time. He's with um, Warner Brother now. Warner yeah. Brothers doing uh, like the Lord of the Rings and the Looney Tunes and stuff. Um, but yeah, he started. So this guy. Uh, Scott started as a tester, and then he went on to be a producer, a senior producer. Um, his credits include working as a tester for Calibre and Virtua Fighter, so he was really their 32X tester. Um, he was also a producer on Comic Zone and Sonic CD for the PC, and produced several other Sega PC ports. Hawkins became so synonymous with Sega Swirl, um, which makes up half of his Sega credits, that Quake 3 Arena, which he worked on, as a senior producer, has him credited as Scott Swirl Hawkins. So that oh, gives man. you one reason to view the credits on that. You can see a reference to Sega Swirl. Um, oh, and he was also a producer on Condemned, one of his later roles, which oh. was recently on an episode of Sega Talk. Right. So looking over Scott's background, it's clear his strengths were PC and online console games. So why do you think Sega tapped Scott to create Sega Swirl? And why do you think this game even exists? I, I, I'm actually wondering why they... I mean, they obviously had to spend money on it. Um, and it's funny because it, it felt like they didn't know how to give it out. Like, they just put it on, like, any disc that was mm-hmm. free. Like, web browser put Sega Swirl on it. Um, the Dreamcast demo disc that came in pack put it on there. So right. uh, I'm wondering... I'm, I'm, I'm actually wondering the same thing. It's a, actually a really fun game, but, like... Yeah. What is Sega like? What like? Obviously, they weren't making money off of this. It was all free. It's like a pro. Yeah, you know, it is very interesting because so this did not launch with the console in '99. It came uh, the following year, but it and it also does not rely on SegaNet. You don't need to have any um, like. You don't need to purchase like Sega's exclusive uh, whatever to play it. As long as you have an internet connection, you can play it. 
My guess is that they wanted to include some sort of playable game to give people an idea of what it's like to play online in the most basic form without having to have servers set up. Mm. Um, maybe, you know, maybe they wanted to give some incentive to, like... It, it is interesting, though, because they could have given us um, just a web browser, and they did with Web Browser 1.0, but with 2.0, they included Sega Swirl and its its own um, uh, application. It's not embedded within the browser, so when you launch the browser disk, you need to pick Sega Swirl. So it, it sits alongside it. It's not built into it. I, I think they kind of missed a trick by having Sega Swirl somehow integrated into the browser so that you could boot it up, much like when you um, got like Windows 95 and it had a free game included on it. Uh, I think mm. it was Hover. Um, and then there was like Minesweeper and things like that. But it is it is an oddity. I honestly think it's just a very cheap cheaply I don't want to say it's a cheaply produced but it was cheap to produce and it showcases one to floor player gameplay it showcases the very basics basic online gameplay that you can present and you know and maybe it's something they wanted to throw on there they're like I'll get parents addicted to it you know they'll maybe like want to start trying some other games so I think uh, also yeah. you could uh, show this as a like look how easy it is to make Dreamcast games because remember uh, the Saturn was mm. hard to develop for uh, maybe get some developers to see oh we can make very low budget games on the Dreamcast very fast and cheap um, and I think that's yeah that's probably what it was too because you know Scott was probably pitching to them hey this costs next to no- nothing to make and. We can include it as an incentive, but we can also, you know, make a little money off of it through its inclusion on, you know, um, well, we'll we'll get to it, but Palm OS. Um, But yeah, so Sega Swirl was bundled with the Dreamcast Magazine demo discs in the U.S. and the U.K., and most famously, it appeared on the Web Browser 2.0 disc, uh, as well as the retail release of Sega Smash Pack Volume 1, which makes that version the one paid release of the Dreamcast version, it sits right at the top too. Like when you um, boot up the game, it has that cartoony TV and then Sega Swirl's sitting right up there. The king, uh, next to peasants. It is the king. <laughs> yeah, well the king took his throne. He's right up there. Um, the web browser 2.0 release was the most prevalent as mm-hmm. this disc was given out for free to Dreamcast owners and it was bundled with new Dreamcast consoles. And I don't know, did you ever... Because I, I did this a few times... You could actually reach out to Sega, and they would send you the latest browser in the mail for free. I did, did you ever do yeah. That? Yeah, I did yeah. do that. You call 1-800-USA uh, or whatever, Sega. Mm-hmm. I forgot what it was, Sega USA or USA Sega, but... Uh, yeah. 1-800-USA Sega, I think. Yeah, and there was um, 1, 2, 2.6, I think it was, and then 3, and 3 is very rare, which is weird I, to have a I, rare web browser. Yeah, because, like... <laughs> What was the updates from 2? I know 2.0, everyone had 2.0. I remember, like, everyone I ever knew had that disc. Multiple discs sometimes. Yeah, 3.0 was Ethernet, I do do believe. Um, But, yeah, I'm looking online right now, and I'm not seeing it. And I know collectors are super weird because they're, like, going... Going through like the the dollar bin, hoping to find a um, web browser. Three Here's someone. Here's a nitwit trying to sell a two point six two 
Oh disc God. only for two hundred and sixty dollars. Two point six two isn't rare. They're, they're oh, this is the Netlink, but it's just the web browser for the Sega Saturn Netlink three point is thirty. Oh, it's brand new, one forty. That's crazy. It's wild. But yeah, uh, Sega Swirl was also on the 2.62. Maybe that's what 2.6... I have to look this up later. We'll, we'll do a whole episode on web um, browsers. Web browser, the, the Sega <laughs> web browser episode, yes. I think we should. I think there is a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. It would just be a very... I guess SegaNet would be a better episode, and then we'll talk about the web browsers. Um, but we, we can plan that after we record this. So... Uh, yeah, the um, the Dreamcast version of the game has a real-time split-screen versus mode, which features a unique gameplay element in which one player can clear all of one color, and that clears for all players. Aside from one-to-four-player local games, players could also partake in two-player games via email, allowing PC players and Dreamcast players to play together. I know. One move... Yeah, it was one move and one email at a time. <laughs> so you go, oh, oh, uh, my friend in Japan. Well, he he doesn't have this. Well, maybe he does, and he's playing with me. He just sent me his latest move. Hmm. You know, uh, I guess the equivalent. I think people way back in the day would play um, chess by mail. Oh. You know, so you'd send a telegram or something to a friend. It would be like night to and you'd have the board set up in your room and you know but yeah this is the modern equivalent that, of chess by mail that's the the earliest gameplay uh back in the 1800s or whatever when telegrams were first, first invented they that's how they played online but or just imagine sleep. that it's all it's saved locally so you're powering up your dreamcast with sega swirl in there just to check your email and progress one move with your friend that's crazy <laughs> Uh, in the modern era, it is still possible to play this game via email, but it requires DreamPy and an altered Gmail account. And the reason for this is that modern email saw changes to email protocol as it existed 20 years ago, and thus Sega Swirl will not play nice with like 99% of the email services out there unless additional steps are taken. And you can read all about it. There's a blog post over at the website dreamcastlive.net, but it's, it's very technical and to be quite honest, do you want to do that? I don't. If you find a friend who wants to, then go right ahead. Um, I give those guys credit for figuring all this stuff out because uh, it just sounds like a headache. Mm. That's half. That's half of figuring this stuff out is like the headache, and then it becomes a headache when you try to do it yourself. Um, as we see in the Dreamcast version, the mascot Swirly the Snake features prominently, whereas the PC version he does not feature outside of some free wallpaper downloads. Uh, the PC version also lacks pretty graphics and features different sounds, no music, and there is no local versus mode, just computer-controlled opponents. The game saw release on the Palm OS, developed by Codefire Incorporated um, in association with Scott Hawkins, and saw a boxed retail release with cover art and everything. Um, at the moment, there is one copy on eBay for a whopping $125. So that's not a free game. And I, the graphics are, think calculator game. Like, it is right. not impressive. It looks like a step up from a VMU game. Um, actually, now that I think about it, I think there was a fan-made Sega Swirl VMU game. You could download it, and it was on, like, Booyaka or something. Mm. Um, I don't know how you... I guess you do different shapes instead of different colors. Um, 
Sega Swirl saw a sequel in 2006. However, it is lost to time as it appeared exclusively on PC via the GameTap service. Do you remember GameTap? Yeah, I do remember GameTap. It was like Netflix, right? It was like right. online Early. games, though. It, it right. was like, um, what's Xbox have? Game Pass. Game Tap. Right? Let me see. Yeah, that's what I've thought about it, but I have to now Google it. Uh... But I I remember Game Tap also, uh, it was owned by uh, Time Warner. Right. And so it had an exclusive Space Ghost Coast to Coast TV series where he would actually interview video game developers um, and industry talent. And just like this game, those episodes were like lost for years. And to this day, a few of them are still missing. I actually am one of the nerds out there who helped in the efforts to like archive them and assemble them all. So I would like 10 years ago, I remember I was going online and I found this guy who like worked on the show and he had an episode on his online portfolio and so I saved it, and I'm like, I, I saved an episode of GameTap Space Ghost. Um, wild. Uh, Scott returned and developed the game with Wilco Ibes Productions, Sneaky Rabbit Studios, and Elation Rare. Elation Ware, I should say. Uh, it took So it took three studios to release uh, Sega Swirl 2. The official description of Sega Swirl 2 is as follows. The best of puzzle games combine a simple premise with gameplay that gets you hooked and keeps you coming back for more. Sega Swirl 2 is just that. Clicking swirls is the easy part, but you'll be considering and reconsidering strategies for hours. Throw in new gameplay modes, variable colors, gravity-defying iterations, and a soundtrack by Kinetic to make for an enduring puzzle classic. Uh, The game featured five colors over the first game's four and was more like the Dreamcast original than the PC counterpart. The game saw new animations. A um, They called it an iterator-style setting, which altered the gravity of swirls being dropped, so maybe they like went to the left or right. Um, special seasonal boards with images like hearts and pumpkins, and music from Scott's brother-in-law's band, Kinetic, which did oh. covers of popular Sega music, mainly from the Sonic franchise. So it was like Sonic CD covers. Uh the game is lost, with oh. no version surfacing since GameTap closed up shop. Gosh, uh, darn it. I know. I, I was lost like, I never media. even played this or heard of it, so I'm like, well, no upset. Yeah, <laughs> I know. So there's three screenshots here, and then there's actually some footage. But it looks slick. It looks like, um, it looks cheesy, like super cheesy, like way too many colors, way too many, like, filter, not filters, but like, uh... uh Gradients and like bevel and boss and like right more information than you need. Like look at all that. Check goals, goals. Combo. You know what? I hope that Scott that. just like releases this online. Just dumps it. I mean, like he got paid for this, right? From Game Tap. Yeah. Where is it, Scott? Yeah, just dump it online. You're the snail guy. I mean, the, I mean not the snail <sighs> guy. The, the snake guy. The snake guy. You know, I gotta maybe I'll like. I'll DM Sega 16 and be like, have you ever talked to Scott Hawkins and can you convince him to leak Sega Swirl 2? Uh, let's check out the... Vi- oh, I love screenshot number four of the American flag. I have to salute it. Um, screenshot number four? Or I'm sorry, not screenshot number four. The uh, video oh. number four, the featured image is the American flag. 
Oh, yeah, you gotta salute it. If you don't, you're you're a terrible person. That's but you hear that music? That's actually pretty good. It's, this is um, Sega Sonic, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's Sonic music. You know, who who recorded good. this? His um, brother-in-law. No, no, no. The, the, who recorded the game? Oh, I don't know. It says um, it was extracted from a video about the complete history of uh, Sega Swirl. And I don't... It's from Slope's Game Room. And oh. he always gets weird stuff, so... I like how he says, note, I don't have the game. Don't ask. But in in the corner, you can see what iterator style is. So it shows you things will drop down. And then the next time you clear it, they'll drop to the left and they'll get smaller and smaller. You see that? Oh, yeah, the end I do. points in the middle. That's interesting. Yeah. But it's... It, and then the last one we have here is the um, title screen. It's 16 seconds long. Oh, and it plays Sonic CD music. No animation, though. No, I mean, maybe this is just a static screen, but that's that's uh, that's the music. <laughs> Stardust Speedway. I was going to um, say, aren't you surprised that they didn't just, like, tack on Sonic on there and just make it a Sonic puzzle game? Like, Sonic, Sonic Swirl? You bring up a good point, because I always thought it was strange that this game was kind of synonymous with the Dreamcast. It released in 2000 when the Dreamcast was in its prime. It's called Sega Swirl. What kid, and even adult at the time, didn't call that logo the Dreamcast Swirl, or even the Sega Dreamcast Swirl, or the Sega Swirl? And yet, in the game, it's not the Dreamcast logo. No, it's not. Why isn't it? That would have been the perfect... To make a puzzle game utilizing the Dreamcast logo, right? Yeah, that's that's maybe because they always wanted to like. At least the Dreamcast version should have been the Dreamcast logo. You know what I mean? If they it's wanted weird, to right? put it yeah. in other consoles and other stuff, okay, change it. But if you're gonna put it on the Dreamcast, it should be the Dreamcast logo, including yeah, the uh, the Europe one, and then red one, and then. The red-orange one. Remember that? And didn't the the snake kind of look like the Dreamcast logo? Right. It's when like, he was kind of swirled up. Yeah. You know, uh, to I me, know. I always thought it was supposed to be the Dreamcast logo, and I just assumed it was. Uh, but it's not, obviously, if you see it on the screen. Mm-hmm. It's like a hurricane from a top. I think there needs to be t-shirts with the Sega Swirl. swirl. I think that'd be Which pretty color, sick. Which color, no, it would be like um, those like dad uh, Hawaiian shirts oh, with all the swirls. Right. I bet I could make that. I could make a Sega swirl Hawaiian shirt. Is that? I might do that. Does Sega own the uh, the shape? Probably not, right? They probably do, but it's like, what are they going to do? What color? <laughs> what color? What colors are you going to? Are you going to use like a like? Oh, all four. Like dark you do a green? black oh. shirt. Gotcha. Black okay. shirt, and then you do all four alternating all over your See, shirt. See, I, I was thinking of it differently. I was thinking, like, you know how they have those shirts where it's, like, gr- dark green's the shirt, but then the logo's on mm. there is, like, lighter green, so it's, like, barely visible? That's what I was thinking you were going That'd for. That'd be kind of sick, too. 
Mm. I'll I'll think about this all night. (laughs) Um, So how does Sega Swirl 2, how does it sound as a sequel, and do you want to play it based on what we know? Man, when I saw this in the notes, I was like, did I miss Sega Swirl 2 on the Dreamcast? Like, there wasn't one, (laughs) and and now that you said it was just on GameTab, it's like, how did I miss this? Um, I feel like, yes, I do want to play it. I think it's something in my life that I need to be fulfilled, so I hope... Mm -hmm. Someday it just randomly leaks. Um, that'd be great. I downloaded it and I'd play the living crap out of it. And it's sad because Sega has a history, even to today, of letting games like this die. Um, most notably, Choo Choo Rocket Universe, which is the two. It's the true sequel to Choo Choo Rocket. It was on uh, Apple Arcade for two years and then it disappeared. I wish it. I wish and it had an Android version because, like, at least with Android, you could like pirate the APK, and mm-hmm. you. I don't know if they do that with apps on the iPhone. So, you know, I I had it on my desktop, and I was like, well, if I if I disconnect my internet and then launch it, it should work because I think it checks, and it worked for a while, and then it was like this game's incompatible, and I was like, what the, f-? and so I had it. I might still have it, like, downloaded, but sitting there, and it doesn't do anything. But I did take screenshots, like, the last time I played it, because I'm like, this might be, like, the last time I play this game, if it disappears tomorrow. And I really wish I did more playing of it, because it's kind of like the Sega Swirl 2. But I, I, yeah, I took... It's just a shame. And there's people who go, oh, it'll get a console port. No, it won't. I think think it was funded by Apple for the Apple... Uh, and there's some sort of contract, and they mm-hmm. prob- and it was probably a decision from Apple. Probably didn't get enough downloads or buys. Gone. It's so weird, and yet that Sonic Racing is there. That's like a weird, bastardized version of Team Sonic Racing. Let's be honest, though. Uh, we, that game is yeah. probably getting downloaded of the butt, and just because it's Sonic, that's that's literally why. Should have called it Sonic Sonic Rocket or something, just like Sonic Swirl Two. Um, <laughs> So before we close things up, it's worth talking about other free games from Sega. Over the years, we saw demos with so much unique content that they acted as their own full game. We've also seen small games like Sega Swirl included on demo discs as bonuses or given out free to fans to download. And of course, modern gaming has seen free-to-play games making titles like Sonic Dash technically a free game. But let's run through some notable ones and share our thoughts. Uh, Sega console pack-in games. Do you have any favorites here? The pack-in games. Like, are you talking about like when they gave out like Sonic Adventure with the Dreamcast, or they gave out uh, that that type of thing? Son- Sonic One with um, the blue Genesis. The yeah, yeah. yeah, well, yeah. The, Altered yeah. Beast. Right. Um, I would say I would say the Sonic ones were always really good. I I, I know they did a Dreamcast with like a blue controller, uh, blue mm. BMU, and Sonic Adventure. That was crazy. Like that was a value that yeah. So yeah. I think that would be my favorite because it actually had a BMU that was blue, and you know uh, I wish they do, they do that more where they like give you exclusive content on a bundle. Now it's like more rare to get a uh, game with your system and if they do it's a downloadable game which is kind of lame in my opinion not the physical version 
Right. Uh, Christmas Seaman comes to mind, where it was with oh, the yeah. Christmas Dreamcast, um, which was like red and green and blue. Um, there is the question, are those actually free? Because, like, you're still buying the console. Right. But if it's the console costs the same if you didn't get right. it, it's a free add-on, I would say. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I, I like it back in the day, though, because obviously it was a physical game. Nowadays, they, like, give you download codes. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, but, like, I bought the um, Xbox One... X, I think it's called, and it came with um, uh, Jedi Survivor, but it was a download code. And I was like, oh, that sucks. I want the disc. <laughs> and my brother bought, like, uh, I think the PS4 Pro, but it was, like, the God of War edition one. Mm-hmm. But the game was, like, the game either didn't come with it or it was the, oh, no, he got the collector's edition. There you go, for God of War, but the, it didn't come with the game, so he had to buy the game separate or it came with a downloadable mm. code or something. But he or was they, upset. Nintendo... Nintendo goes all out, and they're like, I, I have the um, Wii U with the Zelda um, uh, styling and everything, but the game's digital. And I'm right. like, oh, so you'll you'll like do gold and gold patterns on my gamepad, but you won't give me the disc. <laughs> so. They still do that. Like, if you buy the Mario Kart 8, it's digital. So Oh, they did that terrible one where you pick. Remember that? They're like, oh, yeah. you can pick one of three. I'm like, you're not giving me three? Yeah, at this give point, it's break. like... 8 years old might as well pick, right <laughs> pick one uh christmas nights for the saturn oh, that was we sick. did actually we did an episode on that yeah it's great yeah that's that's i think that's peak of that era it was a giveaway uh they included it with magazines and i think you could get it at stores too um i don't exactly remember how else you could get it but yeah it was it was a demo but it had all these little mini games. It was just awesome, and they did include it in the recent version that came out uh, to modern consoles. But I think it is missing some things. Like I don't think Sonic's in it. I could mm. be wrong. I think I uh, right. this one now, um, and I think we'll actually do a whole episode on Dreamcast Magazine demo discs. This one is Toy Commander Holiday Mission for the Dreamcast. Have you played this one? Yeah, I did play this one. This one's awesome. That's sweet. I, I love Toy Commander. I think it's it's great. Just the perspective and playing on in in the house, uh, looking at the mm-hmm. poop in the uh, litter box, that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, it, a similar game I played was Mr. Mosquito. I rented it though. I wish mm-hmm. I bought it because it's super expensive now. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's just so much fun flying around as Santa, like in a jetpack, like shooting at things. Um, Super Boom Tread Troopers for the Dreamcast from Digital Eclipse. Have you heard about this weird no, one? No, I never heard of this one. It's essentially combat, the game combat. Oh. And the main character, like, there's like this woman who looks like a Russian, and so it's all these like different characters with little tanks. It's cute. It's free. Um, Choo Choo Rocket for the Dreamcast. In Europe, it was given away for free to customers who visited the Dream Arena online service with the Dreamcast browser. Oh. Did you know this was free? Uh, I, I did know that. For, I think we did a Choo Choo Rocket episode and you brought it up. So I did know mm. that. But, um, um, yeah, no, that's incredible value. I, I mean, in, our, in America, it was a budget game, right? So... I think it was like 20 or 30, yeah, yeah, but like it's a full-blown game, So, and it's from Sonic Team. Um, I did hear that in car boot sales, or, you know, like uh, flea markets over there, it's like a $5 game. It's so cheap, people can't give them away because everyone had one. 
Mm-hmm. Um, this is a favorite of mine. What's Shenmue for the Dreamcast in Japan? Yeah, this, I've played this one. I, I didn't, obviously, because it was Japanese only. Um, mm-hmm. I like it because it really shows you an early glimpse on Shenmue. And it's interesting that people were set the hype around it. And mm-hmm. the fact that they had to release its own thing. Isn't this the one that also has the bikes? Or the, like, debug for yes. the bikes? Yeah, okay. You can, you can kneel, which was removed. And there are people riding bikes, which was removed. And... Of course, um, man, I'm blanking on his name, but he passed away. Um, the president. We reported on his yeah. passing, but he passed away a year prior, and they kept it a, a quiet. Um, but yeah, he was in all of those Dreamcast commercials. He kind of took over for Sega to Sanshiro. So rest kind of in a peace. Downgrade, in my opinion, even though he's dead, I mean, I'm just saying it was kind of a downgrade. For yeah, Sanshiro. yeah. I mean, the fact we can't remember his name. Um, this is a big one for me. Jet Set Radio Future and Sega GT 2002 for the Xbox. Um, this. This is it, I think. I think this, like, when, you know those sweaters that they that we got from uh, Sega a long time ago when they re-released Sega, uh, Jet Set Radio? Mm. I wore it, and I got comments from people about Jet Set Radio Future that they had it on Xbox because of this pack-in. Like, so yeah. many people know Jet Set Radio because of this pack-in, so... Definitely. And it was such a great value. I mean, obviously, it's a it's a combo disc of both games, but it had the controller Type S, which was new at the time because people didn't like the Duke. Nobody liked. And it. I love the controller Type S because it felt like a like a better Dreamcast pad. It like was it like, was perfect. It, it was, was a perfect three D controller. That's what it was. Yeah, and it came with the sequel to one of my favorite Sega games, and then a racing game that I played <laughs> A couple of times. Um, I was just yeah. saying, what do you think about the nostalgia for the Duke coming back? For for who? Oh, the yeah, Duke. that's really interesting. I want a Type S coming back. I don't want the Duke. Right, that's what I'm saying. But people are been like, I think they like, I think Retrobit did a version of it or somebody yeah, yeah, did a yeah. version of it. That's like, I don't know about that. Well, I've got over here. I've got like kind of the Sega equivalent, the um, heavy wow. six or the big six or whatever you call it, right. where it's the six kind of the best of both worlds. But this feels really good. And when I was a kid, I always found the Genesis big pad to be too big for my hands. But now that I'm, you know, an alpha male, with, an alpha male with full size hands, I have big hands. Um, it just it feels great. But uh, yeah, that Huge. that combo. And what's funny. Is Jet Set Radio on its own is actually very hard to find. Right. Um, it's it's uh, kind of like finding a uh, copy of Sonic One without the not for resale. It's like it's not rare, but it's not easy to find. And if someone is selling it, they sometimes think, "Ooh, I got something that I don't see that much online, so I'm gonna jack the price up." Um, I was about eight. Rappy Bird. T- uh, oh, Rappy Bird. Uh, on browser is that a, is that a Sega <laughs> yeah, it was, one? It was an April Fool's game, um, which was Flappy Bird, but with a rappy, a rag rappy from Fantasy Star. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and it, you didn't put it here, but there was also the Bayonetta one that they released mm-hmm. on. Um, but I think that was for promotion for Bayonetta two, so it might be more Nintendo based. But Bayonetta oh, got a free yes. game. Remember, it was like it did. Yeah. So. And then there was. Um, Quite a few for Go Sega. There was Sega's 60th anniversary. Those Golden Axed, a canceled prototype, 
on Steam, which actually angered some of the original development team because oh, really? they didn't know they didn't know it was being released, and they also didn't like the title being changed. But it's like it's fine. It, it Sega was, owns it's, it's, the prototype. They own it. Golden axed. I don't. I don't think it was done in malice. I think they're just like it was canceled. It's prototype. pretty funny name though, if you think about it. And remember when we uh, covered this randomly in our blog about yeah, yeah. the shared Sega universe before the Marvel shared universe? Oh yeah, that was yeah. wild. And this, that's yeah, that was one of the pitches there. There was also Endless Zone on Steam, which was I've never really gotten into these or know much about them, but I guess Endless. Space. endless it's a franchise that Sega recently purchased, and so this was Fantasy Zone, but using endless assets. So I own um, Endless Space 2, and I try to get into mm-hmm. it, and it's like, you have to read so much, and it's like one of those things where you pick a race, and you have to read all the background on the race, uh-huh. and what their powers are, and I was just like, yeah, I don't have time for this right now, you know? I just want to get into a game real quick, uh, but thank you. Right. But, but... Endless Zone is probably the most playable game in the franchise for you, right. then. Well, they're doing Endless Dungeon soon, I think, or it's coming oh, out this are. year, and it's just a dungeon four-player co-op game. There's nothing to do with cool. that. So, I guess it's a brand. Endless is a brand. Endless is a brand. You know what else is a brand? Is Yakuza Streets of Kamurocho on Steam, and this one was uh, Streets of Rage right. Yakuza. This one stood out. I think this was the best one of that whole right. whole thing but it was one stage right right and i liked i like golden axe just because it was a canceled prototype and i think sega should be releasing mo- more prototypes like this and maybe just pitch videos that they got in in the past i don't i don't think there's... oh like sonic extreme the skateboarding one that Ex- would have been sweet oh yeah that, that would have been a good one or mm-hmm. i would always wish that they would just show like a video of the like pitches they've gotten for jet set radio over the because I'm sure they've done mm. some crazy stuff over the years that we haven't seen. But yeah. Uh, there's also Armor of Heroes, which uh, I don't remember. I It's, it's forgettable, like top, right? It's a top-down tank shooter. I think you were saying that you, like, oh, the armor was weird on it. I think you, I remember you mentioning it. So the fact that you played it and complained about <laughs> it and then forgot about it really kind of told you everything about it. <laughs> I, I think, though, it... If I remember correctly, I might have brought up Super Boom Tread Troopers because it's it's kind of like that where it's a top down. Right. Yeah, it is kind of weird. Um, I just like saying Super Boom Tread Troopers. To oh, be this next one and is then, the most popular one. This is so the murder of Sonic the Hedgehog on Steam. Uh, the mean. Game. I haven't finished that. I haven't played much of it. It's like if you give me something free, I'm not gonna gobble it up. You're um, like, I didn't pay money for this. I could play it later. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, but this one does star a badger, I think, and people. his name, his default name is Barry. Oh, so. there you go. For you. It's me. I was going to say, yeah. um, that's interesting. Uh, it kind of makes me wish that they would finish the Big Fishing Adventure 3 uh, game oh one God. day, forever, maybe. Um, I think it's cool that they're doing this free Sonic games. I think this is going to start having a trend for Sega because of how the the reception it had. Maybe, like, do one every time a big Sonic release happens, like the next Frontiers game. Maybe they'll have uh, a 
the murder of Sonic the Hedgehog 2 and then just end it with mm. five Sonic Frontiers 2 guys after you guys, like a million people play it. So, right. yeah. I think yeah, cool. that one was super popular. They put a lot of work into that. Um, so it, it's proof that Sega will like have time and energy and a budget for free things just for PR. Right. Um, and that brings us to one of my last questions. What do you see as the future of free games, um, specifically with Sega, as consoles and distribution platforms evolve? Well, I mean, would, it, would Fantasy Star Online 2 be a free game? It would be. It's free to play. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's gonna. It's obviously the future now because everybody's doing it. But as a free free game, like uh, I think like something like the Murder of Sonic the Hedgehog, where they like take memes, because the power of memes for some reason could sell stuff. Like Barbie, mm. literally's advertisement of memes that fans created. This. Oppenheimer, Barbie, whatever. Barbieheimer, yeah. Barbieheimer uh, is so powerful that it literally sold movies tickets. Like it's, I think they're saying that it's going to cross a billion easy. A movie about well, Barbie. Well, I end of September, I will be in the theaters watching Paw Patrol two and Saw ten for Saw Patrol weekend. It's oh. going to be epic. What do you think about the... Yeah. Well, there's also TMNT, which looks pretty interesting, in my opinion. We'll see. Yeah, Saw Patrol. I think Saw Patrol yeah, it's is Saw it. Patrol. <laughs> That's what it is. You <laughs> okay. sit down, you watch it. You, you get whiplash. You go from G to R. It's uh, great. Well, yeah. we'll see. I think it's weird to release a Saw movie, and it's not October, but we'll see how it does. Yeah, it was going to be October, but I think it was going up against uh, Five Nights at Freddy. And so they didn't want to get cannibalized by that. But come on, Saw. Five Nights with Freddy. Uh, I'm good. I played. I've I've seen the game online. I'm good. I don't think I need to see a movie. No, you need you need to go seesaw seesaw. Um, yeah, I I think the future is really like capitalizing on fan bases, memes, trying to create drum up like noise and attention for your brand, and the easiest way to do that is through free content. Um, and, you know, in, in the case of movies and TV shows, there's always, like, free YouTube shorts. And, and to be quite honest, some stuff is essentially free because, you know, you can download it. It's just a movie. But um, with video games, it is it, it is a lot of work to create content that is then given away for free, especially... You know, when you move outside of the realm of free-to-play. And that's why I didn't include PSO2 and um, and a lot of mobile stuff. Because end of the day, they still want your money. Right. And to, to fully experience it, you still need to give them money. Same goes with Apple Arcade games. Um, if you're in the Apple ecosystem, Apple Arcade is essentially free. Because it's included with just about every like um, subscription package. Like if you're like, oh, I really want... 10 uh you know like i want i want 200 gigs of storage on the cloud they'd be like okay and here's apple tv plus and here's apple arcade for free essentially because it's not like i was looking for those services and if we're gonna count that then we should just like we might as well count like all the disney plus shows like are those free not really you're paying for them technically no no and, and you're paying for the service right but in the case of sega like um Sonic Mania Adventures is free, but it's like video content. 
right. not, not playable. Um, but yeah, I, I think as marketing methods, and that's how things have changed. I think back in the day, like with Sega Swirl, it was more to market the capabilities of the console. It, it's not like anyone was making memes about Swirly the Snake or talking about it online. It was more like... It was this puzzle game that could hopefully maybe get your parents to play because it's super simple. Um, Showed off the Genesis features. Exactly. And and that's what the Sonic Adventure did very well. It it showcased almost everything the Dreamcast could do. But Sega Swirl was a nice, free way to see what four... Like, if you had four controllers, you'd be like, oh, let's play Sega Swirl. Um, But that's the evolution. And... Um, yeah, I guess my final thoughts on both Sega Swirl and Snail Maze is that like they're both good for what they are. I don't want to compare the two because they're two very different things. One's like an Easter egg, essentially, and the other one is, I guess we're we're going to be saying Sega Swirl is kind of like a, a showcase of some of the Dreamcast's abilities on the browser disc and, and other methods. It does show um, you the evolution of what a free game is, right? Like, uh, the other mm-hmm. one's in the 80s, and this one's in the early 2000s, and it shows you the big leap in what was considered yeah. free. Obviously, uh, Swirl is higher quality because of the technology and how it's evolved, and it wasn't in a bio screen that just had <laughs> limited memory. So, right, exactly. Yeah. But imagine, imagine if the Dreamcast came preloaded with Sega Swirl. It should have, and then it should have been like a uh, full online it play. Because then you have that that menu system. Imagine if they did a revision, like Dreamcast Revision Two, and you boot up your Dreamcast, and it has, um, you know, like the VMU icon settings. Listen, launch your software, Sega Swirl, and it's like a built-in game with the email component. That would have been beautiful. Oh yeah. <sighs> what what could have been? Um, so yeah, if you support us on Patreon at any tier, you can share your memories and we read them at the end. Of course, if you're the picker, we'll read your memories at the beginning. But on this episode, we have four people with some extensive memories about free games. Wow. So Michael S. says, Sega Swirl was a lot of fun. I thought it was so cool having a free game on Dreamcast. Christmas Nights is one of my favorite games. I try to play it every holiday season on Xbox. It's short and very festive. I've never heard of Toy Commander Holiday but really enjoyed the game on Dreamcast. So yeah, Michael, if you want Toy Commander Holiday, you got to hunt down a specific Dreamcast demo disc. Uh, ben Hayward says, As much as I've joked about Snail Maze on Patreon before, the free game that defined my, my childhood Sega experience was Alex Kidd in Miracle World. It's definitely not for everyone, but it's my family's first ever Master System game coming built into the Master System 2 here in Australia. A lot of my friends had either the Master System 1 or 2, and it was common knowledge amongst all of us that only the Master System 2 had the built-in game. So when my friend told me there was a code you could use on the 1 to get a hidden game, my mind was blown, and that's when Snail Maze came into my life, too. Thanks for taking on such a cool topic for this episode. And yeah, Ben makes... uh, I understand it now. So when you boot up the console, it would go like a game was already in there. But if you want to try Snail Maze, you need to hold down 1, 2, and up during the Sega logo. So there is no Welcome to the Master System like checklist screen. That's interesting. Uh, Nicholas Schaefer says, I've never played Snail Maze, and he does the snail emoji, 
but it has been a game I was hoping you would cover ever since you started joking about it. As for free game, I bought a Dreamcast on the day it was cancelled and got the Sonic bundle for $200. It came with Sonic Adventure, Sonic Shuffle, but the game we played through that night was the Sonic Adventure 2 demo with City Escape. Oh yeah, yeah it's just a did that come with the demo too? I don't know. That I know. I know it came with PSO for sure. Oh yeah, no, and and I, I considered putting that in there, but it's like it's it's, it's just demo. a demo. It's just the best demo disc of all time. That's all. <laughs> it is the best demo disc of all time. Um, he says it's just a demo, but me and my friends took turns playing it for about five hours. I don't think I've ever gotten that much use out of a free pack-in, with the exception of Wii Sports. I think it alone made me feel like the right choice in getting a Dreamcast. And then <laughs> we have Daniel Andres, who always has some sort of like, I like. He says, Opener? "Oh jeez." He goes, "Oh jeez." <laughs> Why, guys? Oh jeez. Oh jeez, guys. It's finally time. You guys are finally doing this well. As far as free pack-in games that come with game consoles, really the only one that I truly got to experience of are Sonic 1 and 2. Again, those are the first two games that I've ever played when I was only four years old. They weren't technically the pack-in titles. My uncle had a Genesis that was packed in with Altered Beast, although I didn't play that one as a kid. He indeed owns the retail resale copies of Sonic 1 and 2. I own my own as well now, but it took forever to find a resale copy of Sonic 1. So he actually... Huh. So it was actually hard for him to find a not... Oh, a resale. Oh, so the, the regular copy. Regular I never thought copy. of it as resale. I bought a resale game today. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> just the regular version is what I was A regular one. Yeah. I like resale. I'm going to start calling every game a resale game. And yeah, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I got it. This is a sweet resale game. Um... As for the other games, I have experienced all all to most of them, but I had to obtain them separate from the purchasing systems themselves, so I don't really think that counts as a free experience. Oh, that's right. Snail Maze is built into the Master System. Yes, when I first heard Discovered That, it was awesome. When I got around to playing it, yes, Sega Swirl is also a lot of fun. I also absolutely do love Christmas Nights, and I do think that a copy may have come with my Christmas Japanese Saturn. I can't remember, though. And um, we actually threw a... Uh, people could vote if they were on Team Snail Maze oh, or Sega Swirl. Sega Swirl won. And Come on. Sega Swirl did win. It was 53 votes. Final results, 52.8%. Wow, it was close was to the Swirly the Snake. Yeah, 47.2 was that snail. You know, it's kind of like elections. You're like, you're like, oh... Swirly's got this. Then you're like, oh man, there's a lot of. Oh my god, the South really snail loves snails. I guess. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Wait, it's free, man. <laughs> snail mage. That's a real free so, game. So, um, it is a real free game. So, George, uh, what are we talking about next time on 125? I haven't decided, but I'm gonna do what I did last time. I'm gonna put a pool for with four unique ideas on our Patreon. So if you want to vote and see these ideas, you should go on to patreon.com slash SegaBits. I might put the, the Sonic toy idea back up again. That was pretty popular, but I, I'm, I'm going to sit and think about a few more uh, unique ideas that I think are going to be interesting. So if you guys want to participate, check us out on www.patreon.com slash SegaBits and support the show. 
thank you guys for listening and watching. We'll catch you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Snail maze.